Welcome back to the Next Big Thing podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ogborn. Today, we have quite the treat of an episode. So I've had a lot of people ask about influencer marketing, whether they're an entrepreneur and they're running a startup or they're a small business owner wondering how do they even get involved in influencer marketing and where do they even start? All of those questions I took and I had a guest help us out. And this guest, full transparency, (laughs) is one of my very best friends. Her name's Kate Weingartner, and she is the head of strategy for Collectively, which is an influencer marketing agency. And Kate used to be an influencer. She's an ex-influencer back in the heyday when influencers really weren't even a thing. I don't want to age ourselves here, but she was an influencer and has a deep knowledge of how the influencer space has evolved and changed And if you're looking to start influencer marketing, how you can create a program that makes sense for your business without having to feel like it's this big elaborate process. In fact, Kate gives some really awesome tips that make it seem like it's a lot less daunting than you might think that it is. So I'm so excited to have Kate on the podcast, obviously for multiple different reasons, but she really does know her stuff. She's an expert in the space. And I think you guys will find a lot of value from what she has to say. So give it a listen and I'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'd like to introduce one of my best friends, Kate, AKA Stripes. <laughs> I will. I am actually wearing Stripes right now. <laughs> Shocking. Okay. So tell us about yourself and your background. Um, Well, I am a 12-year digital marketing-focused career focused on brand, social, and influencer strategy. Um, I have somehow become an ad agency lifer. I'm still not sure how that happened Um, and have been a serial mover with stints in Chicago, where I met Sam, San Francisco, um, and then recently landed back on the East Coast in New York a few years ago. And what about your background? You've been a lifelong agency person and what's what's compelled you to stick around on the agency side? I love the agency world because of the variety and pace of the work. It's been amazing to work on so many different brands um, ranging from CPG. I was deep in the cheese world for several years um, to top tier kind of tech brands like I'm working on today. Yes, I was I was a cheese girl for a little <laughs> while. Um, to kind of the brands that I'm working on today, which are everyone from big social platforms and networks that you use every day that you could probably guess, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say exactly, um, to kind of some top tier spirits brands, apparel, a uh, little bit of everything in between. And I think that variety and the pace of the work and innovation that happens in the agency space is what, what keeps me there. I love it. Yeah, and for those listening, Kate really does work on one of the biggest brands in the world right now. So completely understand why she wouldn't want to say it, but it's 
if you heard the name, you'd say, yeah, that's one of the biggest brands in the world. So just heads up. Um, okay, so let's talk about influencer marketing. So how did you get into influencer marketing? Um, I am actually retired influencer myself. I was a journalism major who became obsessed with blogs, really at the, the start of the influencer space, was before it was even influencer marketing, like way back in 2008. Um, I started reading design blogs. I'm from a really small town, and those opened my eyes to spaces I'd never seen before, and I, I couldn't get enough. Um, I then made a pivot from dreams of working at a magazine to working within the agency world, um, and I still have that itch to write. So I launched a lifestyle blog called Pretty and Fun in 2011, and I found myself uh, as, as part of what is now known as influencer marketing. I always wanted blogging to be a hobby and not my full-time career, and influencer marketing naturally became part of my strategy work when I was doing digital at large holding company agencies. Um, I had a soul-searching moment on a flight home from a, a kind of shitty business trip. I think we've all, we've all been there where you're like, what is next for me? Um, I, I feel like that happens a lot while we're on planes. But I decided to pitch this agency I had done influencer partnerships with myself as a, I'm doing air quotes over here, influencer um, called Collectively um, on hiring me. I, I knew they had a really small team and they actually had no open roles on their website, but I sent a simple email mentioning that I was an influencer um, that they had been working with. They were one of my favorite partners because of how awesome their brand clients were. And as a strategist, I could read between the lines of the briefs they were giving me and see some really smart work and the, the rest is history. And what does, for those listening and for people just in general, because I feel like this, this word gets tossed around a lot, like what is influencer marketing and what does influencer marketing mean to you? I think at the most basic definition, influencer marketing is word of mouth marketing, which is really one of the oldest, most simple forms of marketing there is. The internet and social created much bigger ways for us to connect and therefore influencers were created whose opinions and recommendations we value because still they're coming from real people and there's a trust and authenticity factor there. Um, I think these days an influencer can be anyone from your 10 year old cousin who probably knows way more TikTok dances than, than I do. Um, to... cousin, by the way, I feel like you're talking about my cousin. <laughs> I probably have. I've job. seen them in action. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's like 10 year olds doing TikTok dances and creating these like huge, you know, moments, especially as we're all trapped at home at the moment to big celebrities. The lines are really blurry in terms of what that really means, but what matters is their impact and the ability to influence someone else, whether it is a stranger that they follow on the internet um, or someone that they know in real life and whether you're being influenced to buy something or just have a new opinion or perspective, there's still a lot of weight and power in that. Love it. And you're OG influencer, really. Like you were an influencer yourself and then now you work at Collectively, which is a major influencer marketing agency. So how has, how has the space evolved and changed over the last 10 years? Because it's really evolved quite quickly compared to other industries. Yeah, it's crazy. Like when I, when I started my blog in 2011, I just did it because it was fun and I could like meet new people on the internet. I had, I had recently moved to Chicago. I moved to Chicago shortly after I started and, and that's where I really poured all of my energy into it. There's just an amazing community. Um, I enjoyed sharing recommendations and, and, you know, connecting with people. I, I do it all the time. It's just a natural part of my personality. And it was just like fun and cool and something to do while I like didn't have any friends. And 
you know, really needed an outlet. Um, during that time, like no one was making money from, from yeah. their blogs. Like no one considered themselves an influencer. I don't even think no. that term existed. Um, so if you look back over the past 10 years, like it didn't formally exist 10 years ago. Like, yes, there were what are by today's standards influencers. And a lot of those people are still around. Some of those like real OGs. Uh, but even in the past five years, um, which is how long I've been collectively really focused on influencer, um, there's been a crazy amount of change in growing up. It, in the beginning, it was really the wild west. It was like the not just cool thing in marketing. So everyone's like, I want to work with influencers, but they had no idea why. They had no idea how to do it. There was no way to measure it where no one gave a shit about measuring it. It was just like you wanted to do it because it was the cool thing to do. Um, and that has changed really significantly over the past, I would say three years, especially. Um, my role at Collectively, I actually, I had up the strategy team, which didn't exist when I started because again, much simpler and, and more basic time. Um, but part of that, why I created the team and wanted to build out this role for myself and, and you know, was able to convince them to do it is that I saw our clients were getting a lot smarter, budgets were getting a lot bigger, questions were getting a lot harder, and our strategy really, we needed like distinct strategy within the work because it wasn't a, a one-size-fits-all approach anymore. And it wasn't just about scale of working with a hundred influencers were getting like a billion potential impressions. It was time for, for influencer marketing to grow up um, and get serious with strategy. Crazy. Do you remember, just out of curiosity, and if you don't want to say, that's fine, but do you remember who your first brand pitch was for Pretty and Fun? What is it? Um, my very first brand that I got product from, I got a box of product in the mail, and I was like, whoa, this is cool. I could get free stuff. Like, what? Uh, it was it was Yes to, like Yes to Carrots. Oh, my yes God. Cucumbers and and um, it was funny because, again, this was in 2011. Like, I, I thought it was so cool because I got, like, free lotion. Um, and my very first, this is, like, slightly before my retirement, but my very first brand event that I attended in New York after moving here was Yes too. Uh So it's all, it's a small world. It's all connected. It's all full circle. But, yeah, that was the first, first brand I got free product from. I thought I was, like really cool and I was like this is as good as it gets like oh, yeah. I'm gonna make I'm gonna get like free lotion like cool I like free stuff and then I started making money off of it and I was like oh whoa like I can make some like extra money and then eventually my blog started paying my rent um, yeah I remember which, that too I remember like telling my parents which Kate like is like basically part of my family, <laughs> by the way to everyone listening like I remember telling my family when I first made, uh, met Kate about her success and I was like you won't believe this like it was mind-blowing and now it's crazy to think that that's how people make their living and it's like it's almost like what was a stat recently it was like 80 percent of of like high school students or college students want to become influencers and it's like now it's like an actual like career aspiration I know it's like who wants to be an astronaut it's like I want to be an influencer <laughs> I'm a little scared about, I, I like, I read that and I'm like, I ask someone in like kindergarten, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, influencer, like, that's totally going to happen soon where they're like, the toddlers are going to know about it. I'm just waiting for it's it. Scary. Maybe. Okay. So it's scary. it's scary. So you talk about brands having a, obviously a ton of 
investments now in influencer marketing, but why is influencer marketing now so critical to a brand success? Well, it's funny, I was prepping for this and there's actually an ad age um, opinion piece this morning about how influencer marketing is like pandemic proof marketing. And I think it's become even more critical to brand success right now because we're all at home. And whether that means that your consumer is spending a lot more time on their phone, I know I am, I'm like scared to look at my screen time stats, um, or if you're a brand who usually relies on shoots for your assets and content production and branded content, like you can't do that either. So there's a lot of reasons that I think influencer marketing is incredibly important right now, especially um, because it's both just our media consumption habits as you know consumers ourselves, and then also brands' reliance on needing to get scrappy and find new ways to generate assets and reach those people um, while they're at home. Cause you know, we all still need to buy stuff um, and learn about brands and engage with each other and, and content. Uh, but ultimately like, I think influencer marketing can help any brand regardless of their industry, regardless of if it's a B2B brand or, or B2C, whether you're a startup or, you know, a heritage brand that's been around for a hundred years, uh, it all, it all depends on what your goals are and whether you're looking to reach, you know, broad mass awareness by tapping into those celeb type influencers, you know, getting the Kardashians to do their sugar bear hair posts for you, um, or tapping into a niche community. One of our clients at Collectively we work on is works with a professional fisher, fly fisher people, fisher folks. Um, there's a lot of them. There's, there's fisher fly fishing influencers and, you know, there's, there's something out there for, for everyone. Um, yeah, really. and influencers can really, fishing, then there really is something out there for everyone. Oh yeah. You, you'd be like shocked. Like right now I have a program that's working with accountants. I have another program, like the fly fisherman program. We have like pet food brands. We have yep. top tier tech products. I'm having people like drink cocktails. It's, it's, you know, there's something for everyone. It's really just about finding that right influencer and, you know, thinking about influencer as really influencer marketing as like a toolkit and, and a lot of different levers that you can pull within it um, to, you know, whether you're want to get, just get your brand and products in front of a lot of people um, or, you know, drill down deep and forge a, a more true and long-term connection with, you know, almost super consumers who yeah. are influential um, and represent, you know, who is buying your brand and the audience that you're trying to tap into. For sure. And I realize I, I didn't really touch on this before, but could you just touch on briefly influencer, like what defines an influencer in your mind? Uh, it's hard. And I, I struggle with it because I think like, we'll talk later about the future of the industry, but I think it's just getting blurrier and blurrier and broader and broader of that definition. Um, you see a lot of, of articles and in industry news recently about the rise of the nano influencer, which is, you know, the even smaller tier of the micro influencer who we started really talking about a few years ago. Um, and if you drill down into, you know, what does that actually mean? How many followers do you need to be a nano influencer? It's pretty small. Like it's, it's oh, it's more normal people. Like those people are not doing this as a profession. Those people are probably not, you know, making a ton of money off of this or, and they probably don't even consider themselves to be influencers. Um, but again, they have the ability to make an impact on their audience and they've built a really engaged community that 
they are able to influence. And on the other side, you see it's getting really blurry between celebrities and influencers. Um, we're doing a lot of work in this space and, and trying to really wrap our heads around the definition of it because you have, you know, traditional celebrities, whether it is an actress or artist or musician who now have an Instagram or social presence and have gained a following there. And the content that they're posting there is outside of, you know, their hard skill or profession. Therefore, they are an influencer in some way, shape or form in, in their social media content. So it's all over the place. Um, it's tricky. I think people technically think about like 10,000 followers as the threshold for um, being an influencer. We define it by total digital audience, which means you look at um, their audience across every platform that they have a presence on. So you would look at, you know, you have 8,000 Instagram followers and 2,000 followers on Facebook and 500 on Twitter to, to define that. Um, I think the starting point is usually around 10,000 where you see people taking it a little more seriously and considering it a job and looking for brand partnerships. Um, and then going up to probably 2 million where the line is really drawn between influencer and celebrity. But again, that changes every day as influencers are getting reality shows and right. you know, reality television is a whole thing in itself where it's hard to really define what those people are. Yeah, so interesting. It's so convoluted. Like it's it's almost like very subjective. So I think it's it's interesting too because I feel like influencer marketing is now non-negotiable for a lot of brands and it's part of their overall marketing plan. Like I haven't heard one brand recently not talk about influencer marketing. In fact, I feel like it's something that's always at the very top of their list. So I feel like a lot of brands are thinking about doing it or doing it. But what do you what do you see as someone who's an expert in this field and as someone who has worked with a ton of brands on influencer marketing, what are some of like the biggest mistakes you see when it comes to brands and influencer marketing? It's crazy to me how many brands still only care about reach and are looking at just vanity metrics, like the number of followers someone has uh, and not digging in deeper to look at who that influencer's audience are, make sure that audience is real and are not bots. Um, or, you know, saying that they want to do influencer marketing and venturing into influencer marketing with no clear goals and KPIs for their campaign. So, you know, doing it just to do it is a waste of your time. And, you'll, you know, how are you going to measure the return on your investment if you have never really decided what, why you're doing it in the first place? Um, also, we see a lot of brands not taking the time to find the right partners. Um, which creates a lot of partnerships that feel inauthentic you, or, um, you know, not doing, not having the, the right info in your contract. So you'll have, you could have an influencer take your money, do your post one day and post about a competitor the next day. So I think it's really about Ooh. being smart going into it, like taking time to set a plan up front and know why you're doing it. Um, who your right partners are, and then just get be prepared for that partnership, including defining the, the terms that work for you. Um, of course, you know, being flexible for the influencer and making sure that their their creativity can come through. But you want to have a really clear plan and brief for them so you can get content um, that works really hard. That's such a good one. Thinking about influencers posting about your competitor the day after makes my skin crawl but it totally would happen because it's all about money too like an influencer is making a living off of 
what they're earning. So that's a really good point of just making sure that you're even like negotiating the contract correctly. And when you say yeah. like brands finding partners, are you talking about like partners as in the influencers? Yes, exactly. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Those are those are some really good watch outs. And like also just knowing what you're trying to measure and what you're trying to achieve at the end of the day. So what about totally. brands working to find influencers? So like when we work for clients, obviously collectively, like you guys, this is your bread and butter, but how would a brand go about finding an influencer? I think this is probably one of the biggest questions that people ask. It's hard because there's really no like secret magic special sauce here. Like I would say a lot of it is about rolling up your sleeves and going down the Instagram and Google rabbit hole. Um, I would say start by finding, you know, real people who represent your consumer, seeing who they follow, then like, you know, going, going a click deeper and then seeing who those people follow. So on and so forth. And you guys just kind of go deep. Um, I would also recommend finding brands who fall in, fall within a similar lifestyle category and see which influencers follow them. Ooh, um, I like that tip. That's a great one. Yeah. It's like, you obviously don't want to work with people who your competitors follow, but um, other brands that, you know, fall within that consumer's lifestyle are our perfect starting point. And I also a good, I think, entryway into potentially building partnerships with those brands uh, long-term. Uh, also too, when you're looking for influencers, are you vetting their photo content? Are you vetting their copy? Like, what do you think is, if someone were to come across an account, how would you really know if someone's the right fit for you? Is it like they're in a certain niche or could it be broader than that? I know it's like really subjective, but just curious to your thoughts. Totally. I think that's where the planning up front comes in handy. Like define what's most important for you. Is it like, I want to reach this niche audience and maybe their content isn't like pretty and polished and perfect, but that's what these people like. And that's, you know, how they're engaging with content. I would say, look at content quality, especially if you are looking to repurpose the influencer assets. Um, spoiler alert, influencer assets work really, really, really well in paid social, especially um, even yeah. for lower, lower funnel performance. Like UGC type content? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like UGC, but better because yeah. you have some creative control and you're giving them a brief rather than just like, you know, seeing what people post on the internet. And uh, UGC is user generated content. So like if they're taking a like selfie video of themselves trying out the product, for example. Exactly. Yeah. It is your kind of natural experience using the product and that moment where you snap a photo and post it to Instagram. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk about like finding influencers that are the right fit, it's, it's almost like you have to forget what you personally like and put on your hat of the brand and really think regardless of what I like and the aesthetic that I'm immediately drawn to, what is actually going to resonate for the people that I want to buy my product. Yeah, totally. And that's why I think it's interesting to start with, you know, the actual people that, are, that fall within your consumer um, do some research and start to see, you know, what does their content look like? What are the themes and things that they like to talk about? What are they sharing? Because then that'll help you um, establish your evaluation criteria when you get to looking at influencers as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, quality of content key and then um, audience, not only size, but quality and health. Um, you know, you could usually at surface level, there's a lot of tools that'll help you pull, you know, exact audience demos and weed out, you know, bot scores for influencers. But at surface level, 
look at the number of people that follow them and then poke around on some of their posts and look at the engagement on their content. If it is really low and they have a really high number of followers, a lot <laughs> of those followers are probably fake. It's um, so funny. Like we've all seen those accounts where it's like, oh, it's so obvious. Followers, and then it's like, where the hell are the comments? Like no one's commenting. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's a great point. It's like, and don't even just look at likes, look at comments and look at co like comments that make sense. Like not just a 50 comments that are like heart emojis, like are these real people and are, is this like relevant conversation to these people's posts? Because at the end of the day, like no one cares and like, it's not going to be a success. If, you know, you have sky high engagement, but they're all fake or just, you know, Fire emojis, red flag. If there's three fire emojis or more, <laughs> don't include. That's an algorithm I'm gonna write. <laughs> yeah, and that's where like a lot of this is just, is just like manual labor and common sense. Yeah, I mean that's so funny that that's that's the recommendation because so that's like a perfect segue into my next question because a lot of people listening to this podcast are entrepreneurs or small business owners and a lot of them think that there's like all of these tools that they have to use and there's all these different things that they have to do. And one question that I got from my community on Facebook was when should people really start to think about influencer marketing and like, what's a good first step? So I know you mentioned looking at profiles, but like, like when someone creates a brand and they've just launched, is that a good time to look for influencers or should it be more a long-term plan? I guess maybe it really depends. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it totally depends. I think that actually it could be interesting to engage influencers pre-launch as far as um, survey or the surveying or focus groups or just getting insights or like gut checking things off of them. Uh, influencers can also, many influencers are like creative directors. So especially if you're like scrappy and on a budget, um, I think influencers can be a great consultant for your creative or your marketing or kind of an extension of your marketing team. Um, so it's super scalable overall. I, that was what drew me to the space. I was working at a really big digital holding company agency and we'd have clients that'd be like, I have extra like $40,000 use it or lose it budget. Like, what can you do? We'd be like, nothing. Like, sorry, like maybe some banner ads. Like we can't, we can't do anything for you. Like, sorry. Uh, but if, if for marketing, influencers like you can do it for $0 through product sampling or gifting and up to, you know, millions of dollars. Um, yeah, wait, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Cause that's my next question. So a lot of people also want to know what is the most common form of payment? Like I've seen so many different like concepts out there of like commission-based or free product, or, uh, it's just straight payment. Like if someone's just starting a brand or they're a small business, like what would you see as like the most compelling thing that they can put out there? Or is it just more of a conversation first with the influencer about what they would like? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I, there's definitely been a lot of conversation and pushback recently started by the Black Lives Matter movement, actually on some of the you know racial inequalities within the influencer space and broader media space and the world and you know everything. Uh, but a lot of influencers recently are starting to push back um, and really take a stand on against you know, in-kind partnerships. So that is partnerships without payment in exchange for products. 
And my POV personally, and, and a POV that I'm in the process of shaping for collectively is that like, at the end of the day, value needs to exist within any partnership type. Um, you can't expect someone to give you a free post that they've usually charged $500 for in exchange for a $5 lip balm. But if you <laughs> are giving them an experience that is really valuable and has a monetary you know, value associated with it, or if you're just like gifting them product without like a lot of strings attached mm -hmm. um, to form a relationship or, you know, get product feedback or get a testimonial for your website, like that's obviously a much lighter um you know, type of work for the influencer and workload on the influencer. So they'd be open to do it in, yeah. in for free what in about, a lot of situations. What if it's like product-based? Like it's something that a entrepreneur feels comfortable with of just like giving away product. Let's say it's like, it feels really light touch. How, what is the level at which a brand should include a contract in this communication? Is that like an always thing, like no matter what, whenever you're working with an influencer, have a clearly defined contract or like, can it just be taken for someone's word in the Instagram DMs? Like, what would your recommendation be? I think as far as product goes, you're going to be, it's going to be a challenge to get someone to sign a contract unless you're giving them something that is like very high ticket value. So yeah, if you're giving someone, if you're like an e-bike company and you're giving someone a $3,000 electric bike, get them to sign a contract to make sure yeah. they don't just like steal your shit. Um, but again, if it's, if it's lower value and you're just looking for getting the word out there, you'd love them to post, um, I think setting the stage to letting them know that you would be open to a long, longer term partnership and that you're early okay. on Maybe in like the stage of your performance or something. What? Maybe like depending on their like actual like post performance and that type of thing, or like whatever your metrics are, maybe. Yeah, I think it's open to performance. I think it's also like if you like the product and want to, you know, work with us longer term, just think about it like at that stage, they also probably haven't had a chance to try and experience your product yet. So think about that seating as uh, really like an introduction to from your brand to the influencer that you can continue the conversation down the road. It's hard, especially for new brands to expect someone to commit to a partnership, especially in kind without ever trying your product yet. So I like to think about that as like your introduction and, and there's like personalization goes a long way, a little handwritten note, like, don't be afraid to follow up after you send them the stuff. I was always shocked by how many brands would send me like amazing gifts in the mail and a, some of them would be a surprise, like PR companies would, would get my address and just like stuff would show up. So it was like a lot of stuff that I didn't really want to begin with, but then also <laughs> people wouldn't, people like wouldn't follow up and ask me to post anything. And it was like a situation where I would, you know, I would be happy to post if you like asked me or like checked, checked in or like, you know, said hello, rather than just like jump the box of stuff on my doorstep. But I would consider it uh, an intro a friendly introduction and to the start of a relationship. So don't be afraid to um, just offer, like suggest that you would love to have them try your products, ask for feedback, ask for, you know, their experience as consumers themselves, and then, you know, check, follow up and check in, see if it is something they enjoy and if they're, they're open to posting about it um, on their channel. And I, I feel like I understand like what you're saying. It's like, you want to be as, personable as possible when you're, you want to create, you want to create an experience for people where there's like someone behind the brand and it feels really natural. Like you're just talking to someone versus it feeling like a really big brand is trying to pitch you and they just send products and it feels kind of like a cold interaction. Like you want it to feel 
warm, really, and feel like inviting and like they're talking to a human almost. Exactly. And also another easy way, I think, especially for smaller new brands, but any brand um, to get started with influencer marketing in a, way, in a way that's really lightweight is just make it easy for influencers to find you and get in touch with you. Like add a section to your website um, specifically around influencer outreach, like for influencer partnership inquiries or introductions, like email, you know, influencers at brand.com. Like a lot of influencers pitch brands themselves. Um, yeah. So in many cases, they'll come to you. Uh, and then lastly, one other like inside tip. Um, I've always joked that influencers travel in packs. Like it is a community-based like, you know, industry. So if you find one influencer or have a, or starting a conversation or a relationship with one influencer, like don't be afraid to ask them for other recommendations or if they have any other, you know, influencer friends that you should also work with or get Ooh. in touch with. Um, or, you know, tap if you want to do an event in Chicago and you've only found five people and you are expecting a $500 or 500 person guest list, like ask them for recommendations or like give them a plus one. Um, or ask them, you know, to, or offer to pay them a little consulting fee to find more people like them. Like they're usually really willing to have to help and know a lot of this just like off the top of their head. So don't be afraid to, you know, have them do a little bit of the work for you. I love that idea of like a consulting fee to provide recommendations. That's so smart. Like that, I feel like for people listening is such a great tip because it doesn't take, I think a lot of people in their minds, it's like, zero to 500 like it's all or nothing and really there's in between for smaller brands just to still test the waters for influencer marketing without going all in and paying thousands of dollars a month to see results totally and like have this be your full-time job when you're a founder trying to do a million other things like you can send a few packages to a few people on an ongoing basis um it doesn't always have to be a like mega campaign moment where you're doing you know a thousand a thousand things at once Love it. Okay. So one more question. What would you say is the future of influencer marketing? Um, I think the industry is just going to continue to expand and kind of explode into new territory. I think it is already, we're seeing it um, post COVID, especially pushing into like creative territory with influencer content creation and creative direction. Um, we have had mega retail brands who were unable to shoot their, you know, new spring and summer collections doing like remote photo shoots with influencers to populate their dot coms and their email newsletters and all of their advertising and like get product photos because when time where you can't do photo shoots. Um, we have a lot of influencers right now doing just content, like content creation without publishing, like just having them create posts for you and assets for you that you have the licensing for that you can do whatever you want. So I think um, influencers have always been a little blurry in terms of being equal parts like creative and content and then distribution amplification. And I think right now, especially um, post COVID and while, while everyone's trying to get scrappy and work really fast and figure everything out, um, the creative chops and credibility of the influencer space is growing like crazy, which personally really excites me. Um, and then I think on the other side, it is all about accountability and like real trackable lower funnel ROI. Um, influencer marketing has gotten away with being just upper funnel and about like reach and impressions and awareness. Um, and now that 
I think we've seen really strong results and a lot of both brands and influencers themselves are seeing the combo of influencer assets plus paid social amplification. So boosting those posts on Facebook or Instagram into this socially native content, uh, driving like real results, like selling products, like having crazy successful return on ad spend, um, having more efficient conversion rates than any other kind of form of creative or, or asset development. So I think it is getting more exciting and expanding into new turf, but then also really finally being held accountable um, and being able to back it up and back up those, those bigger budgets and uh, kind of bigger and more exciting scopes of work because of the measurement capabilities and possibilities. Love it. I hope everyone is taking notes. That tip, by the way, on leveraging influencers for your collateral is so smart. It's like, you don't even have to use them for a public facing campaign. You can use them for your own collateral to, instead of doing a photo shoot to still show off your products. Yeah. And it's a great way to like test creative and, and different assets as well. Like don't be afraid to reach out to an influencer and just ask them to create content for you. Uh, fun fact, I actually came out of retirement this morning to do a, a dog, a dog, a dog food asset shoot with my, put my dog to work this morning to make her, her, her keep. Uh, but it was exactly that. It was like new, new products wanted kind of more elevated user generated content. So they hired me and some other influencers to just deliver assets for them. Well, I mean, um, so Kate's dog does have, do you want to just, we're going into this section now where you can plug everything. And I don't want Callie to feel like she's not represented in this conversation. So <laughs> what is Callie's Instagram account? Number one go. Uh, I, I won't do enough of Callie's Instagram account, but it's hello. I'm Callie, C-A-L-L-I-E, um, who actually inspired, I was influenced by my own dog. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I retired for the pretty and fun brand and just became a, a human again on Instagram. I, I got I got my inspiration for my handle from her. But she was Kelly <laughs> first, and then I fo I I followed and copied her as trendsetter. Okay, we're gonna include that in the show notes. And then if people are listening and they want to check out Collectively or learn more about Collectively, where can they go? www.collectivelyinc.com. Um, you can also shoot me an email if you want. Yeah. Um, you can put that in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, Kate at collectiblyinc.com. Uh, also, I'm always happy to connect with folks on LinkedIn. So maybe you could drop that in there as well. Perfect. I will. Um, also, you guys, Kate doesn't have like, this isn't a shout out for Kate to give you indefinite amount of like consulting experience because obviously she's head of strategy at Collectively and has a shit ton of work. But if you want to introduce yourself, then go for it. Or if you found anything helpful, definitely reach out to her because I think this was awesome and so helpful for small businesses and entrepreneurs who want to understand what influencer marketing is really like. So just learn from the experts. All right. Thank you so much, Kate. Thanks. This was fun. <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you in like five minutes. All right. Bye. Amazing. Kate has so much information. Some of her tips were so good. I feel like I, if I wasn't recording, I would have been taking notes during that, which is hilarious because I've known Kate for so long at this point, but those were so helpful. I hope everyone listening found it just as helpful, honestly, as I did. And I consider myself to be 
pretty good at marketing, but but she knows her stuff. Like she is an expert. So um, we'll love to understand what you guys felt like were the best takeaways from this episode. You can tag us in a post on the next big thing pod on Instagram, write a comment, or even write a review in the Apple podcast section. That would be awesome. I would just love to know, like, was this episode helpful? What did you find like was the best takeaway for your business? I think there's so many great nuggets and I'm so excited to hear what you guys found to be the most like tangible takeaway that you want to apply to your business soon. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Keep giving me ideas for topics that you want to cover. Um, I like doing this kind of like hybrid interviewing uh, entrepreneurs and then also interviewing field experts who have deep embedded knowledge in this space. So really appreciate all of the different feedback on the podcast. I think we're in a really good groove right now and uh, I will catch you guys in next week's episode. Talk soon.